why am I sweltering in New York City at the very end of September? Uh, I don't, I used to hear about dog days and Indian summer. I don't know which is, which is which, but I know that it's really too hot to be at the end of September. Uh, my guest today is actually coming to us from Fort Lauderdale, Florida. And when we spoke a few minutes ago, she was rubbing it in on me that she's calling, that we're going to be talking to her from sunny South Florida. But I have news for her and the rest of sunny South Florida. It couldn't be sunnier and it couldn't be hotter than it is today in New York City. I think yesterday we reached nearly 90 degrees. It's just not right. Uh, there's something wrong. I think I really do think the extraterrestrials have taken over. I've been seeing some signs of this for quite some time. And now with New York being nearly 90 degrees when we're ready, almost ready to go into winter, is just not right. But... <clears throat> Every week, I, I try to have like a really great guest that brings information to me and to my listeners about aspects of growing older. You know, as we grow older, things start to happen, but do we give in to them? Uh, do we stop living just because we've reached the rocking chair stage of life? I mean, I know as a baby boomer, when... I was dealing with people like my mother's age, my grandparents' age. By the time they were probably in their middle 50s, they had already settled into their uh, senior years. I can recall going to my grandmother's. Well, my grandmother passed away when she was 72. So I guess I go back to when my grandmother was only in her early 50s and I remember her being an old lady you know sitting with me as her grandchild on the front porch of her home and rocking and looking at the trees and listening to the birds well I know people today that are well into their 70s, their 80s, their 90s, one of my favorite people in New York City, Zelda Kaplan, who's been a club kid since way back in the 60s, just turned 100. And no way do I see any of these people rocking back and forth, holding anything <laughs> except, you know, whatever they're holding that's theirs. But I think our generation, this baby boom generation, who changed a lot of the rules when we came of age with our... Uh, ideas, the new world we were going to create, I think as we forge into our golden years that we are going to change the rules for what has happened with, with previous generations. I know myself and a lot of friends my age are out sometimes nightly in New York City, and I don't think it's just New York. I think that people, older people, and I certainly include myself, are very engaged in what's happening. I went to see Lady Gaga last week. I looked through the audience, and I probably could have counted a couple hundred heads that were at least, you know, 60s, 70s, maybe in their 80s. So, first of all, I don't feel like such a weirdo because I'm hanging out with young people, and many of my friends are a lot, a lot younger than I am. And I, I recommend friends that are a lot younger than I am because. They keep me aware of what's happening. They help me with all of these electronic things that I contend with. And I'm more in tune with what's going on in their worlds, which adds to 
my world. I think a lot of people as we get older, our worlds can start to shrink. Um, I mean, unfortunately, people do pass on. And I know that my mother, who lived quite a bit longer than my dad did, spent 20 years in widowhood, and then her friends started to pass away. My mother's life was kind of small. Her, her life had been lived for her, her husband, her family, her friends. But today, with all the things that we have, like Facebook, Twitter, hear women talk radio, our worlds are much bigger and include many more people and many more ideas can be shared amongst the people. But when I was starting out, when I grew up in this little tiny town in West Virginia, uh, only 2,000 people, I had big dreams. I wanted to be with big city people. I wanted to... Uh, be glamorous and meet glamorous people. So I graduated from high school on Thursday night and on Sunday morning I went to the Greyhound bus station and I knew that the bus was going to be my way out of town and into my new life. Well, the town that I lived in had one bus that went from Cleveland, Ohio to Washington, D.C. and you could either get it as it was going from Cleveland to Washington or from Washington to Cleveland. So I went down to the Greyhound bus station. I had a sister who lived in Cleveland. I had a brother who lived in Washington, D.C. And I said, whichever way the bus is going, the first one that comes, I'm going to get on it and I'm going to go to either Cleveland or D.C. The first bus that came was going to Cleveland. So I went to Cleveland and I went to beauty school because I wanted to be a hairdresser and take care of very glamorous and rich ladies. So I started working my first job and almost one of my first clients. In comes a woman that fit, that fit my dreams. I wanted to be with glamorous people. So in comes this woman, beautifully dressed, drop-dead gorgeous, a great haircut uh, in a time when everybody was wearing bouffants, and her name was Paula Gillum. Now, up until now, I had just known my friends from my little town. And in talking to Paula Gillum, I learned that she was an uh, I don't know if she was an art professor at that time because she might have been too young to be an art professor, but she went on to be an art professor. She's remained an art professor throughout the course of her life, but more importantly, she's been one of my best friends from the day that I met her. My first piece of art that I considered in my in my life, an important piece came from Paula. I ended up with three of her pieces, which I have to this day. I've had them for many, many years, and I treasure them, not only because I love the way they look, but because they were done my, by my special friend. So once I started doing my show, I know that one of the ways that we keep our minds active and we don't just settle into our dotage is, can be through art. So I have invited Paula today, after all of these years of being my very, very special friend, to talk to me 
about the importance of art as we age. Paula, are you with us? Oh, I sure am. I sure am. I, you know what? I'm thinking. I'm thinking back to probably that first major haircut. This doesn't have a damn thing to do with art, but I thought I would throw it in. Um, I had very long hair at the time, and uh, you were doing a shag, which was a new, uh, I think, uh, clute with Jane Fonda had had shown. And you started cutting into hair, and somebody got up and came over and said, "Do you realize what he's doing to your hair?" Anyway, enough of the hair stuff. I remember that perfectly when when the lady that was probably in rollers came over and said and uh, and said exactly that. Are you aware that he's just hacking at your hair? But you know, you were one of the absolute trendsetters that uh, that that I knew, and you remain a trendsetter. I mean, my gosh, it's too bad this isn't television so people can see the style that you have today, and you've always been ahead of the crowd. And I think probably your own creative spirit like mine has led you into into the profession that you've been in as long as I've known you you've been a painter and then uh, a professor and that you know what and that's never changed I don't do it but um, I do a lot of collage work I do I've done some forays into photography but I'm certainly oh come on I'm certainly not a photographer but one of the things that's been very joyful to me, and I, I never thought about it as as a, but you mentioned something. I've always been now at this point. Obviously, I'm around many younger people, many of them, many of them facu- other faculty people, and certainly I'm surrounded by a very energized group of students. And and that can be a wonderful thing. Um, something that I was that I was thinking about as I was as I was listening to you just now, probably for anybody in the audience that's into needlepoint, uh, they might want to work on something. I was thinking about something that could be up on walls in various places called "Get Thy Ass Off the Couch," um, and I use that really kind of metaphorically, but. People can kind of settle in too much, um, and not just settling into their house, but kind of settle in in their head, and not be as open to new and different things. One of the things that, if you will, even the most gentle foray into the arts can cause, uh, it shakes up your reality and can get you thinking about different things. Now, how one approaches that foray into the arts can be very, very different. Um, if one is inclined, one of the a wonderful option that people have that they often don't think about, if the idea of going to a local university would seem intimidating for somebody that perhaps had always thought about whether it was jewelry work or maybe a painting class, there are so many things that are offered within communities at the middle schools and the high schools where you're talking about uh, not just a gentle foray, if you will, but a gentle price 
where mm. somebody can kind of test the waters with some of these things. It's a great way. It's a great way to socialize. It's a great way to gain a little more insight into a craft to the point that you're looking at things differently. Whether whether you're talking about visiting a museum or, frankly, visiting a retail establishment, something changes. Mm. I think. Well, I mean, I know for me. Well, I'll, I'll t- when we get back from this break, we're about to take. I'm, I want to share a story with you that happened to me a number of years ago, but. Uh, we do have to take a break right here, and when I get back, we'll have more conversation with Paula Gillum. Hi, welcome back. It's Colin Lively. Uh, this is my show, The Colin Lively Show, and I'm doing it on the Zeus Radio Network for Hear Women Talk. My guest today is Paula Gillum. Now, I want to get back to Paula. We were talking about ways to keep the mind alert and uh one of the many ways is through art. And Paula, you mentioned, of course, museums and taking some courses. But just before the break, you mentioned going to some retail outlets. Um, tell me what you mean by that. All right. What I was talking about, I'm thinking in terms of, or, all right, a facialist I know, and I was very surprised. She was saying something, and then I was finding out, how she had gotten involved in all these jewelry classes that were done by a museum school in the area. Uh, now, again, this is a younger woman. She had, I said, oh, sorry, did you, were you doing artwork before, you know, before you got into the facial stuff? No, not at all. But she had, it was something she wanted to investigate. Once you study something like that, you're looking at things differently. You're looking at more than just the design. You're looking at the construction. You're looking at different things. I think as somebody looks at more art, period, there are different things about the visuals we experience because our eye has changed. We're, we're Picking up different, we're picking up different signals from things that we see. If that makes any, does that make any sense at all? Absolutely. Well, I mean, just from my own observations, uh, I think it's very easy to become an observer and not a participant. Uh, and when I say that, you know, we're many of us are couch potatoes. We're watching other people engaged we're watching tv shows we're watching sports games we're watching uh, political debates but we're n- less and less engaged in our own lives and when you're talking about taking a jewelry making course or going to an art class you're 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 shifting gears you're no longer st- looking at life you are participating in life and I find the participants uh, you know I'm a, I'm a people watcher and traits that people have who are interesting to me I try to pay attention to what those traits are which is why I've always been fascinated by you Paula because you are <laughs> you don't 
mix in with the crowd. You do not, you definitely do not blend in. But, and when I say that, your way of dress, uh, is unique. I love the way you dress. I wish my audience could see. You just have this great style about you. But it's, but it, then it goes beyond that. Uh, if I can judge a book by its cover, a lot of times I really can. When someone has a creative way of dressing that that's not, you know, pick a sweater set kind of dressing, um, I find that those people are really interesting once you get past the garb. Um, so. I know in my own life, I, I want to share a little story with you. Quite a few years ago, um, close to 20 years ago, I had some major upheavals in my life, which I didn't cope very well with. Uh, I was thrown into a very dark depression that lasted, well, it lasted a, quite a long time. I, I mean, if I were to put a number I would think it would have gone on for more than a year, a year to two years. And what and my therapist said, Colin, you need to engage your mind. You need to do something. You need to take up a painting class. Go, go take some art classes and actually paint or take a creative sto a short story writing class. Well, I took the short story writing class. And Paula, it was amazing. As I started to create something on the page, you know, I could come out of my depression and I could create even a sunny life uh, on the page. And it shifted my depression. Now, it didn't happen in a moment, but, you know, I could have given in to continued therapy, you know, give me the pills, doctor. Uh, that pill's not working, increase the pills. I could have gone on to, like, I could have become an android, sort of like robotically going through life, or I could have become engaged. So having known what happened to myself, I, anytime I have a client or a friend going through a, a bad depression, I tell them the same things. Take a short story writing course, take a painting class, or, or, or go dancing. Have, have you? <laughs> I love that. <laughs> You know, I, like, maybe I all love three. the dancing part. Well, it's amazing. I mean, we we can sit in our darkened rooms with the blankets over our head and dwell on the past and, oh, my God, how did that happen? Or we can release the past, move into the present, and look toward the future. And once we seal the coffin on the past, come into the present, move into the future through something that's engaging and different for us that causes our minds to work in a different way. It's amazing what can happen in your life and pretty soon you forget all of the shits that you met along the way, all of the ones that kicked you in the ass and you bless them, you release them and you move on into the next chapter of your life. And Good God, I Colin, you're a better sport than I am. <laughs> <laughs> Well, go dancing, Paula. This is what I recommend to everyone. I, mean, I, I think we've all had, you know, we've all been kicked to the curb by someone that oh. meant a lot to us. Yes, we have. Yes, we have. And I mean, I've been kicked to the curb a few times. <laughs> <laughs> and 
and quite frankly, it makes you afraid of. Uh, I mean, I'm, we're talking. I'm, we're hinting at romance, but let's okay. Forget that we're hinting. Yes, we're talking about all the shits that we've loved and who didn't <laughs> love us and kicked us to the curb. And every time that happens, you're sort of like shy about. Oh, what beautiful eyes you have. No, 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 no. You go away. You just go away. I've heard that line before, and it's going to get me back to the curb. But, <laughs> you know, I, I once had a, a friend of ours, as a matter of fact, who uh, was talking to one of my assistants. Uh, Charlene Stickler is is our friend, and, and Charlene was going through a bad time, and my assistant told her to cheer up, and my assistant was probably old, 22 years old, you know, real perky, perky young thing, you know, everything jiggling, and that big old happy smile, and Charlene said to her, cheer up, I want to know how cheerful you're going to be when they found your mother dead in the bed, when your father got killed in a car accident, when you've lost all the money that you've worked for all your life, when your kid has become, you know, has become a disappointment, I want to see how cheerful you will be then. And, you know, Paula, that I've remembered that always. It's like, yes, when I was 18 years old and I went down to that Greyhound bus station and ironically ended up in Cleveland which is where I met you um, I was all bright eyed and perky and since then I've lost my mother, I've lost my father I have estranged relationships with family members who just did not understand me nor did they care to nor did they care to um, and I've had love affairs that have gone awry, I've had businesses that didn't succeed and all of these things leave you damaged uh, and so you're you're fearful but back to our topic one of the ways to deal with sadness and depression I think is to engage in something creative now what if someone has no artistic bent at all they don't know you know green from red and they look at a blank canvas and they're just staring at it. Is there hope for even those of us who have put our artistic oh, yeah. Listen, to bed? absolutely. Well, one of the things that I was interested in, um, I do some work. When I say work, I do docent work, which is volunteer work for both the Fort Lauderdale Museum and the Boca Raton Museum of Art. And to do what... I do, or anybody would, that would like to do docent work, we go through a training program. Now, my training program was much less in Fort Lauderdale because I was always in there with students. But more to the point, they do a training thing on every single exhibit that comes in. And what was intriguing to me at both of the museums, the majority of people that do the volunteer work, and by that I mean they are going to do sometimes presentations. Uh, they may just be on the floor to answer questions about the exhibits, uh, or they, as you say, may be giving a presentation, are in fact not art people. Uh, with the people that I work in with in Boca, 
I think another woman and myself are the only ones that have an art background. Mm. And these people have all gotten very, very involved. We have, at both museums, I would say that there are people that, that are working and are still out on the floor. There are two women in Boca and several in Fort Lauderdale that are in their mid-80s that are taking groups around. Mm. And that means that to do that, they go in for the training. Mm. Well, what happens is, it's again, it's doing two things. It's, it's physically engaging you, and it's certainly mentally engaging you because you need to do some research on your own in tandem with the presentations. Uh, you end up having all kinds of conversation, maybe maybe going out afterwards uh, for coffee with people, sitting around and talking. And I would say that for the most part, to a one, all these people get much more involved in the arts where some of them may have done it more for, there may have been more of a social motivation in the first place. Um, but you look at the art differently, including artwork that might just fall in the category of somewhat of a bafflement or what the hell is this i mean the people that i've worked with probably wouldn't approach it like that but that's how some of the students approach something um where where they're just encountering what difficult subject matter well paula i've got a difficult subject matter right now i have to leave again for another break right in the middle of this great conversation but we're going to be back with more great conversation hey, Colin good Lively and Paula Gillum so we'll all be getting out our canvases soon we'll be right back it's Colin Lively back with Paula Gillum Paula I want to uh, ask a question like um, I think it's great to engage people in learning about art. I mean, I think that's the, the way to go. I mean, I know that, I mean, I've taken on quite a few art courses. I took, a, I took uh, art appreciation courses, art history, and there are so many types of art. Now, when it comes time to paint, uh, because I'm, I think that once a person takes up the brush and then starts to apply the, the paint to the canvas, I think something different happens in the way we use our minds. Like, like it's one thing to learn about art, but it, 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 is it another thing to actually create it ourselves? Oh, Colin, absolutely. And you know what? I was laughing at something because you keep mentioning the painting. And I have to tell you that possibly that may not be the best, the best thing for someone to take up if they've not done art. And, and oh, well, me... then, then tell us what to take up before I go out and spend. I'm ready to well, go out and buy a lot of paint. Well, let me tell you why I didn't get one job. I go in, I've got all this resume that I thought looked reasonably decent, and I was just after um, I needed to pick up more cash. It was when I was on, on my own when the kids were small, and, I mean, this was, this was like critical. And I thought, oh, I've got this job. And the woman looks at me, and she goes, I see you've got a really rich background in painting. And I said, yes. Now, I'm, I'm like chomping at the bit, you know, like just tell me I have the job. 
And she goes, our, our people can't do that. And I, I said, I, I mean, I thought I'd misunderstood her. I'm going, pardon? And now she's explaining to me, um, because this was working with people that have psychiatric problems. And she said, oh, these people can't paint. Uh, she said, in fact, it makes them very angry. And I, I always remember that. And you know what? Wow. Over a period of time, I saw that she had a point. And I am going somewhere with this. This isn't just a, you know, a long-winded trail to nowhere. That it works better if people can do something where they get a little takeaway at the end mm. when they're first doing some things. And, and that's one of the reasons I mentioned the jewelry. Even a ceramic course where you're doing hand building, where you're not confronting, um, where you're not confronting a potter's wheel that's going to, you know, slam you on the ankle. Mm. Um, but but rather you're doing something where you've got the physicality of the work, you've got someone directing you. Even doing a thing. As a matter of fact, I've done things. I've done things with my granddaughter where we've gone to a ceramic studio where you pick you pick the bisque wear out. So that's already taken care of. You're not constructing anything. And then you select the paint and do whatever you want to do and they do the firing and you pick up the finished product. And it's it's very enjoyable. It's very mm. enjoyable. There are studios like that if there are Number around here, I would suspect in other cities there might be some too, whereas they say many of them have like special evenings where, I know this sounds silly, but you can take in a bottle of wine and so you can drink and, and drink and glaze your selected bisque product and then, you know, you come back when the, when the piece has been fired. But you have something. Painting can be very, painting can be very frustrating, even for people that are reasonably skilled, where they, where you just get stuck with something. So, if someone hasn't done any artwork at all, to have a, you know, a naked canvas before them, uh, that can be pretty daunting. Wow, I'm glad. I'm glad that you're letting me know that, because I. I I'm certainly not an expert in any field. I'm becoming an expert at growing older, but I'm doing it by by living it and learning it. But um, that makes absolute sense. That that I mean that you could just look. That's how I felt when I was looking at the blank page when I was supposed to put pencil, you know, pencil to the page and well, come sure. up with a story. Because I mean, that's like when you're you're being tested on something and you literally can hear the sound of other writing implements and you're thinking, God damn it, how they they, they know stuff that obviously I don't know because those writing implements are moving and I'm sitting here like a dumbass doing nothing. Mm-hmm. And but there's some of that I, I mean, I remember as a student where an instructor that I was always just completely dazzled by, I mean, he was just, he was a lovely man, but the first day of class where we're all kind of standing around, everyone's got their canvases, we're kind of ready, we're, we're kind of waiting for Mr. Boza to say something, and really all he said to us is, what the hell are you doing? I, I believe this is a painting class, start painting. 
Oh my gosh! And and when I when I say it was cha- that was a challenging that was a challenging thing, because you know, hey, I was at the Cleveland Institute of Art. I was a painting major. Hey, I was going to be painting my ass off. I was going to go to New York and paint. And now the guy is saying, you know, you're painting major. Start painting. And and I was just standing there thinking. Oh my God! I'm sorry. I have such a large canvas. I mean, that that was all I could think. Mm. I mean, it was just it was just terrible. I mean, you know what? And I and I have to say, I see that with students that are doing work where you know they're not working on large canvases. Some people have a lot of ideas. Some people have mostly lifted ideas, but other people, you know, none of the above, and it's very, very difficult, whereas if you're doing something where there is a very specific process that one has to follow, that, as they say, you do end up with an end product fairly quickly, and I mean by fairly quickly, within a week or so, or maybe maybe a little bit more. But a painting, you could be working on a painting a very long time and, and really not end up with anything other than a canvas uh, with an amazing amount of paint on the surface. Well, you know, one of the reasons <clears throat> that... I thought of you as 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 my guest was you know we live with these computers and for better or for worse they've improved our lives and in some ways they've just made my life totally miserable okay so I cannot find my house keys I'm looking high I'm looking low they're not on the hook where they usually are so I start to think, do I have Alzheimer's? I go to the computer, and sure enough, one of the s- signs of Alzheimer's is you can't find your keys. It starts out with your, you just can't remember little things. So now I'm like all in a panic. You know, it's like any little lump, any little thing that's new. All of a sudden, you know, I've got six months to live because I've discovered that one of the symptoms of brain tumors happens to be this thing. So... Having said that, that sounds like another reason to go dancing. Well, yes, it is another another reason to go dancing. But in checking out treatment for Alzheimer's and dementia, I I came across uh, this this item that said to change your daily routine. To that if that if you have uh, a routine, and most of us do that. We do day after day. You know, we get out of bed. We, whatever it is, we put on the my my the beginning of my day, is just like the beginning of every other day I've lived for years. It is to change your routine, take a different route to work, Uh, engage in other things, and and engage in creative activities such as art and literature. So I thought, oh, well, who would know better than Paula, uh, Paula Gillum? Because 
you are not only a, a creator yourself, but you teach other people to be creative and you teach about art history. But right about now, if my memory serves me correctly, I have to take another break. And when I get back, we'll talk some more with Paula Gillum. Sounds be good right to back. me. Okay, just be here when I return. <laughs> Well, Colin Lively is having the greatest time talking about one of my favorite topics, and that is art. You know, Paula, where you and I, well, I'm sort of from Cleveland. I lived in Cleveland from the time I was 18 when I stepped off that Greyhound bus, and I looked around. You know, I always had dreamt of being in Paris, London, Rome, but... I only had enough money to get to Cleveland, but compared to Raynell, West Virginia, Cleveland <laughs> was like London, Paris, and Rome. And, you know, looking back, I say, I'm happy that that Greyhound bus came and took me to Cleveland because it really did chart the course of my life. And one of my shining lights and uh, was meeting you. Um, and I was just entranced by the whole art world you know it was the 60s when there was all this countercultural stuff going on and i was in the thick of it i had spent 18 years going to baptist church revivals and begging for mercy i don't know why i had to beg for mercy i hadn't done anything i hadn't lived long enough to be the great sinner that i wanted to be as I got older. Were they, the were, way, I mean, were they banning dancing or something? Oh, they were banning it. The way I grew up in fundamental West Virginia, we women couldn't cut their hair. There was some verse in the Bible that said a woman's hair is, that, is her crowning glory, and that got translated to she can't cut it. So my mother had hair that trailed all the way down to her ankles. She had thin hair, looked like a spider web, but she had a long spider web. It just, you know, and I just wanted, I loved looking at the sinners on TV and and just waiting for the day when I could go out and sin. I mean, I don't mind asking for forgiveness, but please let me do something first. So I arrive in Cleveland, and they used to have these, what they called love-ins, and they were on the front lawn of that great museum, the Cleveland Museum of Art. And that's when I started meeting all these art students because right across the street was the Cleveland Institute of Art. Which uh, did you ever attend the Cleveland Institute of Art? Oh, and that's where that's where my BFA is from. Well, then you were in the thick of all of that in Cleveland at the same time. Oh yes. But, you know, we were just a bunch of crazy kids going there. And I remember I, I used to take some courses. And one of the things at, at the Cleveland uh, Museum of Art, mostly walk-through courses where they were explaining the art to us. And so much of it stayed, stayed with me. We had one of Rodin's thinkers that sat on the, on the front right in front of the museum. And there had been, during the 60s, there I think it was the weatherman or someone that tried to uh, bomb the thinker. And well, they were, I mean, Colin, they didn't just try. and they, they were pretty damn successful. And then, I mean, they were. They were successful. And what 
and they, they sort of like blew the base out and it's all misshapen now where the explosion took place, but the thinker itself still sits there. And then that this was at the time, I remember it being such a, such a, a horrible, horrible thing. That's Rodin's thinker. But the Cleveland Museum of Art left it there. And I think that it's become more important as a piece of art as time went on because it became a, a symbol of a time in our history that went back to the turbulence of the 60s. So, oh, and that's exactly, you know what, that's exactly why they left it that way. Not to be silly, just like when a museum encounters artifacts, uh, people in the, the, the little groups that work in restoration departments in museums everywhere could put something back together, if you will, and have it look like it was just Perfect, 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 perfect. But they don't do that with artifacts. And with when that happened with the Rodin piece, the the whole thing was to absolutely that that in itself was a statement. And I think you you just phrased it so beautifully. It it documents a time period. Uh, it also documents an ugliness that people are quite capable of. Uh, and that seems to not go away either. But it was an interesting thing that they left it like that. Well, I think that art, as we look back over the ages, you know, <clears throat> art that was edgy or whatever, was certain, it's certainly a reflection of the time in which the artists lived and, and how they were affected by what was going on. I mean, you and I went to that great exhibit earlier this year at the um, you know at the uh, Lauder Museum what's well, the name of that the Otto Dick show the Otto Dick show and he was he was a an artist during the uh, Nazi period when when there were the Holocaust was going on and the way he recorded his experiences during that time and every time that we're in a troublesome period you know in this country from the 60s pretty much up until now we've kind of been a calm country so to speak but i think at this point in our history when there's so much so many opposing views and and they're very emotional uh Great art is going to come out of this, the way people see things that are going on today. I mean, Colin, I, I couldn't agree with you more. You know what? Art is a product of the time period in which it's produced. Art reflects that. The time period doesn't reflect the art, for God's sake, whether you're talking about music, whether you're talking about prose, whether you're talking about when I say two-dimensional work, I'm, I, you know, where we want to printmaking, painting, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But this this contentiousness that seems to become more heightened on a daily basis, while it may not be good for the blood pressure, but I think it's just a real boost for the art. Well, I mean, at the that doesn't Grammys. sound too. Does that sound too sick? I mean, maybe it does sound a little sick, but so no. Being an observer, I mean, I find the fact that uh, Taylor Swift and Lady Gaga have come to the forefront at the very same time in history, and they couldn't be more 
extreme in their styles and in their songs and it it's representative of what's going on in our society we have extreme views we have extreme television shows we have these stupid ass reality shows but we also have these shows that push the edges that get us to really think you know the nova series and whatnot and you know at this time period i think it's interesting to see all that's going on so i can see it in music and and theater we have very edgy theater now. Uh, American Idiot really pushed the Broadway envelope all the way to the edge. And now we've got Gaga and Taylor Swift. We just had Prince Poppycock, who is someone we've never seen before. So out of this turbulent time is coming great art. And it's going to put its mark on, on us today. Oh, absolutely, and that's why it can be a very invigorating thing on many, many levels for people to find some area of the arts for themselves to uh, become personally engaged. That, that, that speaks to them. Well, Paula, my time is just about up. Oh, gosh, I wish we could have hours to talk. There are so many... I mean, we're talking about one of my favorite topics, and of course, I think of art as a way to keep my mind agile, and I would, would hope that many more people would get engaged. But one of the things that I love about my show is that I get to talk to people about engaging in certain things that, that, that are good for us. Next week, I have this great woman named Ken Adair Welbrecht, who started this website that's called butt check and she's going to be talking to us about the importance of having examinations more often as we grow older because things can sneak up on us and i can't wait to talk with kim adair wilbrecht next week and paula thank you so much i've just loved our time together Oh, Colin, listen, thank you. You know, any any opportunity to talk with you, I revel in, I revel in that. And uh, we get to do that a lot because we both like to stay up very late. We do. And I love you, Paula. I always have. And I'm so happy you were my guest today. Oh, Colin, my pleasure. Thank you. Thank you very and much for including me. We'll listen to our archived show, and your friends can listen. Just go to hearwomentalk.com, look at the archived shows, and you'll find our show. And uh, I'll be seeing the rest of my people next week. This is Colin Lively for the Zeus Radio Network and Hear Women Talk.